What's happening, fam? It's your boy Sherrod, and welcome to another podcast episode of Behind the Grind, powered by Sherrod Speaks. For each episode, I have a conversation. I go behind the scenes to talk to individuals like you and I that are making impact with their influence and making change happen in the places around us. My goal is to encourage, to inspire, to motivate, give you everything that you need, the faith, the fuel, the ammunition, whatever it takes to get you on your journey as you push through and grind through behind the grind. Let's go. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Grind. I am your host, Sherrod Schuler, and I'm so excited uh, for today's uh, conversation, today's episode. You know, um, one thing about this podcast, this Behind the Grind podcast, is we get a chance to talk to so many wonderful people. And one thing that has been driving Behind the Grind is really blending that uh, faith and business. And so today in the grind chair, we have an individual that knows a little bit about the faith and a little bit about the business and not a little bit. I'm just teasing it in that aspect, uh, but has a good understanding of them both. And so I want all my behind the grind family to welcome my very special guest, Bill Woolsey to behind the grind. Welcome to behind the grind. Sherrod, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Great to be with you. Love your bubbly personality and uh, even just teeing it up there on that faith and work, that faith and business thing. It's definitely something that we're passionate about in our network. Yes. You know, um, you know, when when it came across my desk uh, to uh, have an opportunity to interview you and have an opportunity to talk to you, one of the main things that stood out to me was that uh, business and faith. And so before we really get into that, and we want to talk to uh, talk down that road, but before we get into that, can you introduce yourself a little bit to my audience and tell them a little bit about you? And then we want to know a little bit about this network that you're talking about. You bet. So I am a, I'm a pastor. I've been a, a Lutheran pastor. Uh, well, I've been Lutheran since I was born. <laughs> and uh, so I've been a pastor since 1987. So, you know, what is that? That's about 34 years, going on 35. And uh, uh, I was always the guy. Uh, I started out actually as going to be an engineer, electrical engineer, and, okay. and went to college, started that path, but then went back into a, decided to go pastoral ministry. My pastors wouldn't be a, be a pastor. and so. But I was always the guy who did evangelism in the congregation and led that in youth ministry. And then uh, second call, I was executive pastor in adult education and but in every place I went, I was responsible for starting some things to try to create new growth, all right? And so for nine years, I was in a, a roles similar to that and uh, learned a lot by trial and error, you know, okay. and by <laughs> learning from others and watching and doing. And, and, and I was fortunate because I was always in congregations that I had the freedom, probably because I wasn't the head guy, right? I, okay. you know, I could you know, do whatever. So I, I would try a lot of things. And then in 1997, my family and I got a call to go and start a church in West Houston. Mm -hmm. My wife is from Houston. I'm from Austin area. And uh, so we went, we went back to Texas. We'd been in the Midwest and we started a, a congregation that grew very quickly uh, just by God's providence. We, you know, we're at the right place and right time from his divine plan. Mm -hmm. But we uh, did a large staff start. We had 40 acres. We put a preschool in. We, you know, grew to uh, from seven families initially to uh, 1,600 across three campuses in about 20 years. And so it was a crazy ride. And in that, uh, you know, God let me kind of take all this stuff I learned for nine years yeah. and now apply it in a bigger setting, which is something I really encourage people that. When you're going to start, this is what I always hurt. I always feel for church planters or, or, or entrepreneurs, if they right out of the gate try to go big, you know, and it's like, unless you've built some other things smaller or, or other kind, you know, let's 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 get your wheels, training wheels. So I, we did that, and then we also launched this network in in '09. We launched our network, which is called Five Two uh, F I V E T W O dot com. 
let me just say this. I love that. I love that name. So you, you're going to have to, I know you're going to expound on it, but I just love that name altogether. But go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah. No, so so the network is named after the feeding of the 5,000, that miracle, and the five loaves and two fish. Yeah. And the reason we chose that name was because when Jesus told the apostles to take care of the crowd and feed them, you know, they, they came and said, you need to send them away. Uh, and, and he said, no, he commands them in Mark 6. He says, you you do something about it. You feed them. You give them something to eat. So he holds us accountable for our communities. That's the first premise. But then the secondly second thing is that when they said, well, it's going to take half a year's wages. And really the undertone is, you want us to blow a half a year's money on people we've never met before and probably are never going to see again. I mean, because they were in you know foreign right. place there for them. Right. And and he's like, go and see how many loaves and fish you have. And they go back in the community, back into the crowd. And you got a sense too; they could have found more, but they just probably stopped, right? <laughs> to to prove Jesus wrong. Hey, all we found is five loaves and two fish. So they steal the little boys and come back. And uh, but but then he turns, he multiplies it. So. I think that's our teaching of, of starters uh, is that what you need, Jesus is already working ahead of you. He's put it in the community. And time and time again, what we find is what's missing in new ministries or restarting existing ministries. What's missing is not the idea. Lots of people have had the idea. Right. What's missing is the leader who will do the hard work and will lead the cause. And so if if churches understand, for instance, that that really they don't need all the resources. They don't, they could be almost they could be dirt poor. I mean, the apostles were dirt poor, right? right. But they, Jesus said, "We're going to provide this," and and that's where we see the miracles happen in our network, just time and again with that. So that's why we chose the name, and it's been with us since '09. So you know, I'm fascinated. You know, when I think of that story, when I think about Jesus, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the five and the two, right? And, the, and it's what you name it, the five and the two. What's interesting that. Uh, in that that miracle we get fascinated about the miracle we get fascinated about all that that's transpired but there's a administrative part or an organization part or there's something that comes out of what jesus gives instructions and direction and 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 to allow that to happen and like you said they were you know it's kind of like being a leader or a, a, a manager of some sort you tell uh, those that you may lead to do something, and they may snarkle a little bit and say, uh, "You're, you're <laughs> crazy." On, you know? right? <laughs> right, right, yeah. But we're asking them sometimes as leaders to do some amazing things. But you, it takes a gift. It takes some type of uh, uh, grace of God to be able to lead people to see. You know what? Well, all they see is uh, what they see, right? And you got to right. get them to see beyond that. Did you want to just... Well, uh, yeah, I, I think, and that is such human nature. You know, we're broken people, and uh, we we tend to not see the sacred mm-hmm. or the supernatural that is present around us, or we take the sacred for profane. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, it's natural, right? We call it natural as if, right. uh, you know, some bingo-bango thing happened, and that's all it is. And mm-hmm. instead of understanding that all of life is sacred... And if all of life is sacred, then there is a divine presence and God who is going to make that work. Mm-hmm. And and so this whole gift of faith, and most people don't have that, right? Mm-hmm. Most people tend to see what's in front of them in their eyes. And, and it, it, you know, it's a, and I always get the, which prophet, it's Elijah or Elisha, I'm not sure, but the one <laughs> on the hill where, you know, uh, his his helper said, you know, how are we going to tackle that? And he says, no, look up on the hills and you can see all that God, all the, all the angels and the warriors, God's warriors are a force. And so I think that's what we try to do. It's it's interesting. When we work with teams and, and we've worked with a lot, We what we provide is encouragement. And, and if you break encouragement down, it's to pour in courage, right? It's mm-hmm. courage in. And, and, it, and so often that's such a nebulous, tenuous thing. But if a person all of a sudden truly believes that Jesus is going to work his will out one way or the other, now it may not be exactly like you want, but he's going to work his will out and you're but called to join him in that, it, it all of a sudden frees you up to go, okay, uh, you know, hey, it's it's his end game. And hope it. I hope it's what I want. I hope it's kind of what I'm seeing, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's his end game. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's let's kind of talk a little bit about this network. You know, we're going to get into some other things here, but 
so, you know, my listeners that may be listening, and they're still trying to wonder, what exactly, who is this network for? What are, exactly are you doing with 5-2? Again, what is that Okay, <laughs> yeah, so, so our network is 5-2, and what we do is that we equip Christian women and men to start ventures that help people. Okay. That's our, our end game. Okay. Our end game is that we are looking for those entrepreneurially minded. Now, most of the time, they won't even say, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, that's too right. scary for them. Right. But they're saying, you know, I've started some stuff or I've got an idea, mm-hmm. and I, but I don't know how to take my idea and, and turn it into reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they also have a heart of compassion. We see that in Mark 6 and that miracle. They have a heart of compassion. They're usually... They gravitate toward a particular people group. Right. Uh, but again, they, they don't know really what to do with that. So our network is here. At the end of the day, we want more people to know Jesus. And we believe that one of the best ways to make that happen is to mobilize and encourage those leaders who like to go and start and do. So if we can if we can pour into them, then they're right. multiple multiplicative kind of leaders. They're going to multiply efforts. Right. That's we think is the most strategic. Awesome. So that's how we've always done it since '09. We used to work just with church planters, and yeah. then starting in 2012, we kind of morphed and said, you know, one of the secret, uh, one of the untapped resources in in churches are these yeah. entrepreneurial lay people that are sitting oh, there wow. going, I don't want to be in a committee, but. <laughs> You know, could I start something? Sure, yeah. I'd love to do that, yeah. And it's all about, to me, that's the thing that has been uh, grabbing my heart is this marketplace ministry, right? You know, when you go back to these uh, miracles in the Bible, they, a lot of them took place in the marketplace, right? They right. didn't really right. necessarily take place in the synagogues, nothing against, the, you know, the temples or anything of that nature, but they were actually amongst the people. It was out in the, you know, out in the marketplace that miracles were taking place. And so you you hit on something. You said you started um, originally planting churches, which there is a need for that, right? There's a, mm-hmm. a gift. There is a need. And we still that. do that. We still yeah, do that. You still do that. And there's a need for that. But you, what you're tapping on, there's individuals inside of these congregations, as you mentioned, that may not realize uh, in some cases, they may not realize the entrepreneur spirit or they may be an entrepreneur and not realize how do they connect. You know, they have a passion for entrepreneurship, may, you know, they and also have a passion for Jesus. Right. How do right. they connect to those worlds together? And so that's one of the reasons why I was excited to have you on the program is you do a good job of helping that network and you talk good about how to blend those worlds together. Can you expound on that? How can I be both a, a lover of Jesus and a mm. business owner, right? You know, because mm-hmm. in some worlds, in some camps, that is frowned upon, right? How do you do that and do it well? Yeah. So, so Sherrod, in in our training, we have we have three pillars. It's build, fund, and launch. That's that's really where we excel. And that build, that build starts with you. Okay. Mm. So we really want to make sure that you as you are the leader of this this venture and as you go out and you're going to we're going to help you also then build a team because mm-hmm. we're we we know the power of working with team especially in the body of Christ uh but but you your values are going to become the values of the org when that's the way that's good. starter works okay entrepreneurship works so everything I've started over the years, and I've started a lot of things, when I look back on them, they all look like me to okay. some degree or another, okay? okay. Yeah. So they all have Bill Woolsey's little fingerprints on them, and uh, uh, values are what you and I hold dear, and oftentimes, unless we've done some good self-awareness work, we, can't, we, we don't even articulate them very well. Right. So they're they're this autonomic part of our psyche that just automatically makes us do stuff or not do stuff. We get mad at stuff we don't realize why we got mad. They're in you us, know, right? <laughs> they're in us, right? And they're they're there because of emotions or experiences or events or things that we've had and they've formed and shaped us. Uh they're kind of a Psalm one thirty nine ish thing of, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made. But uh so so when you as a Christian are going to go create something, or if maybe you're you're a listener and you're not really entrepreneurial, but you're a leader. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're leading, you're going to shape stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and you are going to form it. And 
if you are not aware of what's important to you and what you're doing, then you're going to be very arbitrary at times in how you do that. Mm -hmm. And the people who are trying to follow you are going to be scratching their head. So mm -hmm. if you can become more aware of what's important to you, your values, and help others understand that, then your leadership is stronger and more effective, and they start to see where the boundaries are in that process. Now, <clears throat> the number one value we want you to take with you is Jesus. So you're going to have some different things and some things that are more important to you that are not important to Bill Woolsey. And, but we all share this common Jesus as Lord and Savior. And how are we going to make sure that we don't leave him home? Yeah. All right. When we're starting this thing out. And, and really, the, some of the work we do with you in the build section is for you to become more comfortable and more aware of of why is Jesus important to you? What has He done for you? And uh, you know, uh, you, you and I, you and I mentioned earlier. We were talking before we went live. Uh, this whole thing of you know, some sometimes you'll have these Christians right that are like in your face, Jesus. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and then and then at the same time, sometimes you'll have Christians that are like in your face business with a little bit of Jesus. You know, right. Jesus like the salt and pepper on top or something. Right. But. Uh, and what we want you to do is to understand the importance of Jesus mm -hmm. and to to be able to articulate him uh, in ways that are attractive to people and not repelling. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll stop there for a second. So, I mean, that, that, that's powerful. I mean, again, it, you know, being able to understand yourself. And I think that's the best because, again, some people, I'm not saying all people, but sometimes we, we may separate the two. You know, we may separate right, our right, right. work man <laughs> right, and our right, faith right. man. And being able to understand that you don't get away from that, right? In any place that you live, your entrepreneurs, you can't, you can't. That's right. You can't and we tend, we tend to silo Jesus. I mean, I, I think the normal Western mindset of, okay. of faith is that we silo it. And, and a lot of us, you know, if we've been Christian for any length of time, mm -hmm. it's been, the, the centrality of our expression has been worship probably on Sundays. Right. Uh, but but especially in today's culture, and this is the reason that we decided to really shift and work with entrepreneurial women and men, that you know, it used to be that we would just start churches and new people would come. And that's how we'd reach new people. Right. But in, in today's culture, especially since uh, in the last 10 years, we've seen a huge drop in what is an active Christian and what percentage of the population says they are. Right. Uh, that's now down 25%. It was 50% right. uh, in, in 2011. And so, so now all of a sudden we're seeing that to reach people uh, for the sake of Jesus with the gospel— if you think they're you just open the doors they're going to show up on Sunday morning you are right. so you know sorely wrong right. so what we want to do is find these men and women who want to start things that help people these ventures that help people bring Jesus along to the party and let's put them out there in the communities where when they when they walk in and they're looking for a preschool okay okay they're also going to meet Jesus yeah. in not just expression but also somehow in words right because yeah. if i never if i never mentioned jesus and i'm just a nice person that ain't gonna do squat you know right. for the person right so so it's that fine balance of how do i live a life that uh you know as as, as peter says always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have within you but do so with gentleness and respect so how do I live a life that is gentle and respectful to others, mm -hmm. but I'm, I can articulate very simply and very clearly the hope that I have, okay? Yeah. And, and hope applies in all sorts of situations, right? <laughs> I'm going through a divorce or you're struggling or right. you don't have enough money this week or your kid just, you know, he got bad grades or whatever it may be. There's, right. You always need hope in all those situations. Let me let me ask you this, um, you know, because I find that, you know, just listening to you and, and, and understanding how you you, you kind of look at things from a, a perspective and you're looking at the world as it is today, being relevant today. How, how do you interact? I, you know, we're in a multi-generational culture right now. We're, we're, like right now, the pandemic exposed a lot of that. Right. We mm -hmm. saw uh, older generation may not wasn't attuned to technology, younger generations in tune to technology. All of this stuff is happening. 
as you're in this space and you're dealing with my entrepreneurs, I'm expecting you're getting all generations that are uh, uh, that you're uh, tapping to. What is it that you're finding with the younger generations? You know, the, maybe the millennials or the generations beyond, and what they their expectations of faith in business. Hmm. Well, uh, it's kind of a uh, almost a. a, 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 a contrast or I'm trying to think of the right word to say on, okay. on one hand you have a cynicism okay. okay you have a cynicism because a they they weren't raised they you know this is one of the least churched generations ever exactly. right? right so they weren't raised in homes where they saw the value of of a relationship with with Christ right. and and especially the communal aspect of a relationship with Jesus. So it's not just an individual one-on-one. There's a community thing that's very powerful. Mm-hmm. And as the Catholic Church used to say, they may still say it, uh, you know, the community saves. It's that body of Christ when we're together that we we understand our problems are not unique to us. And right. the solutions are actually found through the body of Christ and Jesus. Right. And so anyway, so so there's a cynicism on one hand of, you know, especially if there's just this equating of, of, of Jesus slash Christianity with church. Mm-hmm. And and obviously in our culture today, you know, church and, and, and Christianity has gotten hugely bum raps, sometimes legit, but definitely uh, blown out of the water. And so on one end you have that at the same time though, in, in the, you know, the, the teens and twenties population, they have a huge, huge value around community and cause. Okay. So they're very cause driven. Mm-hmm. They're very community oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's ironic to me because on the one hand, they're the most technologically astute, uh, you know, TikTok centric, you know, Instagram centric, <laughs> right? right? The latest, whatever it may be. Right. And yet they also demonstrate that you and I, the truth that we live local. So I, I live in the hill country outside of Austin. I live okay. outside of a small town called Burnett. And even though I like to say I'm near Austin, I'm an hour and 10 minutes from the airport. Okay. I don't <laughs> live in Austin. Right. Okay. But I love telling people I'm from Austin. In reality, <laughs> I live in this this outside of this small town that is as uber conservative and redneck and you know, and so I I really live here. This is where I live. Mm-hmm. And and the younger generation demonstrate that relationships are very important and they live there while they may social media wise you know, uh, live out life up here, but this is really what counts. I think of my right. son and daughter, my son and daughter-in-law, they're, they're, uh, they are, uh, are deacons in their church in downtown Houston, a lovely okay. church called Sojourn has multi, multi locations, right. but they have a parish group and they lead a parish group and that parish is their family. And, uh, even though they're very, you know, high, high stress professionals and they're, they do great work and they're very focused on business that church and that group of people are very important to them. Gives them life, it sounds like. Gives them life, that's right. Yeah. So have you, so has the approaches, you know, even going back to church planning, has the approaches changed in this this modern age of church planning? Has it changed since you started? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, I think uh, in many ways, uh, our start at Crosspoint, we were still benefiting from the, Uber attractional model, uh, you know, we had a large staff start, uh, you know, uh, grew the preschool to 400 kids in the preschool. And, oh, wow. and we were in an area that we did our research and we said, you know, and this is kind of this is what we teach in our process is who is Jesus calling you to reach? And, okay. and you reverse engineer everything to to really reach that person. And our goal was to reach what we call lawnmower dad. He'd rather <laughs> mow his lawn on Sunday morning than go to church. I like okay. That. And so uh, what did it mean? The, but you, what, what could we create that where Jesus would be at the center, mm-hmm. but all of the peripheral would be something that he felt was common to him, uh, this the slum or dad. He didn't have to jump over hoops to get to Jesus, mm-hmm. okay? And, and, and really, 
you know, that that meeting Jesus came about through sincere, authentic relationships. It came about through a clear sharing of the grace of God and our unworthiness for it, but Jesus loves us anyway. It, there were some very simple ways that at least were at the heart of, of those expressions that would right. become more complex as you dug deeper and you wanted to grow in leadership and mature in the faith and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that entry platter, okay, like, you know, the first course, uh, you know, what is it like? Oh, that's food. I, I kind of like that food. And, and that's not some weird foreign stuff that I'd have to, I don't even know if I want that. You know? So, so again, so, so now we're talking today, now we're post COVID, right? Yeah. And so now we're faced with some of the challenges and we're going to talk about some business here shortly, but I, I, I want to get your take on the way church is now, right? You know, with, with COVID, a lot of us got a chance to experience the technology right, right. of accessing things online, demand. And so now the doors are opening back up. What are you seeing the churches doing now to maybe attract, to reach out, or is it all now digital? Is it, is, no, is it's it not. Focus? You know, I mean, I think, I think the challenge that we want to remind people, especially leaders in congregations, uh, you went through 12 months at least, depending mm-hmm. on parts of the country you're in, mm-hmm. uh, where the people you had been serving, their behaviors changed and your behaviors changed because there were laws or rules or right. whatever, mm-hmm. okay, or fear, mainly at the right. center of it. Uh, and when somebody changes behavior for a year, that's a long time. That's a long time. <laughs> First and foremost, right. and it's a long time. And and behaviors and values are like two sides of the same coin. Okay. So if I change behaviors, I'm going to be forcing a change in my values. If I if usually values are pretty hard to change. I mean, but there I could tell your values by looking at your behaviors. So if I'm changing my behaviors and you're forcing me, I'm having to. The issue churches have to understand is okay. I related to you principally or for a while just in a in a digital channel all of a sudden, right? Mm-hmm. You'd watch me on YouTube, you'd turn on Facebook or something, and yeah. then maybe we did some face to face, okay? And now I want you to come back face to face. The right. question is, do you want to come back face to face? And and so churches have to understand that first of all, the person they is is their congregation they changed. And you can't just assume you can put them back into the old. Now, some of them will. Okay. And the more mature ones will, the ones who really were invested in it, I suspect. But those that were on the periphery who were your future life uh, of your congregation— that's you can't just assume that. So you're going to have to have some dialogue with them. You're going to have to be exploring ways of ministering to them, and and I suspect it's going to have to keep being some component of digital. Okay. Now, so a little bit I mean, maybe. <clears throat> yeah. So maybe it's digital discipleship. You know, maybe that's how you're going to run your discipleship pathway. There's going to be strength there. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously. You know, the longer you're, you've been in a church family, the more that one-on-one is important, that presence is important. We right. don't, I think that's, you're still going to have that, but right. you still have this whole slice of people uh, that have now experienced you in more of a convenient digital setting. <laughs> and is that, and this is what I hear with pastors, is that okay? Because a lot of pastors say that's not okay. Right. All right. Right. Okay, that's not good. You've got to get here. You've got to be here on Sunday. And I'm like, okay, but I mean, what about those people that that's all they're going to do? Mm-hmm. Are you going to still care for them? Or are you just going to say, sorry, you, if you want me, you got to, you know. So it's that kind of very key fundamental. It's a value discussion. There you go. Okay, you got to be willing to have it. And uh, so that's where I see a lot. I see that churches have got to, Understand their their community changed, the people changed. What are they going to do about it? What are they willing to change? If you're a missionary, you decide which of the values of the people you're trying to reach you're going to embrace and which you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think it's churches have got to adopt a missionary approach even more than they did before. 
Okay, I love it. I love it. So again, it, it, it you speak to it so in so many different ways, and I think that's why it's important to have like a network like you have where you still keep people, you know, these business minded people because some people may have moved uh, or like the digital now because they feel like they're on the move. They got to do yeah. this. They got to yeah. do that. But you're still keeping them in a community to connect it, bred it together in some shape or form that can still, you know, uh, get I, Jesus. I, again, I would think you had all these churches that used to think, and I know a lot of them personally, that Uh-oh. digital <laughs> digital was of Satan, okay? Yeah. They thought digital's of Satan. Now all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I got to learn how to broadcast on Facebook, right? <laughs> so now all of a sudden, it's not of Satan, and uh, we can use it. But now that I can get back, has it become of Satan again? You know, and so, so I think those conversations need to be had and understand. There's a level of community and a level of relationship that I can have, like I'm having with you right now. I mean, right. I would never have met you, right? Right. But we're having this now. Is it the same as if you were sitting at my table eating? No, it's not the same. Mm. But is it is it a good thing? I'd say it's a good thing, right? It is. Okay. <laughs> is it the best thing? Oh, okay. Maybe not. But at the same time, you're in Atlanta. I'm in Austin. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> gosh, if we could do this once a month and maybe once a year get right. together, that'd be kind of cool. You know, it is. so it's those kind of discussions. Yeah, it, it definitely eliminates that distance and the barrier from the standpoint. But yeah, like you said, if you're in these these pockets or you're in these areas, you can still communicate. Uh, you know, get that local connection with individuals. Mm-hmm. But technology mm-hmm. definitely gives us this opportunity to do this and even explore what else is happening, and in, in other ministries and churches. So let's shift a little bit. Let's go into uh, businesses. You know, um, entrepreneurs. I'm imagining right now, and and kind of in the like of the line of work that I'm doing. I know. Businesses are struggling right now, right? They're they're having challenges. What would you say to businesses right now that are um, entrepreneurs right now that maybe guessing should I have ever started entrepreneurship mm. because of mm. what's going on, or uh, is this really the thing I should do? What would you say mm. to those those existing businesses? I know the new right, exi- no, 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 existing. <laughs> right, I think uh, there's a couple things, you know. Uh, there was there was a huge uh, work done by Inc. Uh, Inc. Incorporated a while back, and it was on why businesses fail. Okay, mm-hmm. which is the number is is also you could apply it why churches fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, uh, it's it's really one of two things, and and the experts kind of came down on both sides. One is the founder or the leader gives up mm. and says, you know what, it's enough. I've put enough blood, sweat, and tears in. It's not going to work. I'm out of here. I'm going to go do another gig. Mm-hmm. The other reason it fails is because you no longer have a customer. Mm-hmm. So you no longer have someone who wants what you have. Okay. And this is where churches need to really understand. Uh, they've been wrapping Jesus in a wrapping that nobody wants or fewer people want. Let's put it that way. Fewer people want. Uh and so they've got to understand that. So if a business is struggling right now, and, and you're right, there are a lot that are, uh, and but at the same time, there are probably a lot that aren't, right? I mean, we know a lot right. that, you know, if they were already deployed, if they were already right. all those things and non-geographical, but your local mom and pops right. who were service-oriented, who were in-person oriented, unless they were able to pivot very quickly and right. go to home delivery or whatever it may be, so again, I would just say to, to you as a business owner, as you're listening, it's always, always, always goes back to this combination mm-hmm. of your values and what you're trying to provide, but this customer. And in today's world, he or she gets to decide whether they want it or not. You can't yeah. force it on them. So yeah. if, if there's something happening there, you've got to look at that relationship between who it is you're serving and and what it is that's driving you and what changes you because some sometimes I'll, I'll run into people invalid say you know what i'm not going to make that change because it would go yeah. against my values and right. i'm like cool yeah. just understand when you make that decision yeah. what the ramifications are and others will say you know i kind of like i kind of like that kind of music that's not going to be a big thing for me to change right mm-hmm. i i don't want to give up jesus but i don't care if we all start dancing a two-step or whatever, you know, that's, so what, right? I'm still a dance hall. It's just a different kind of dance hall, you know? Uh, And we see the same thing happen when churches are in communities and their community ethnically changes. Mm. And they're like, uh, you know, they either try to move out, right? They'll sell the property and get out of here. 
it's or or you can say, you know what, I've got to decide what I'm going to embrace of these new people that God has sent, mm -hmm. and I'm going to change some stuff about my offerings. Okay, right. same thing with business. You've got to decide on on how you can do that without losing your core mission. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad you said that. I mean, obviously, the and we were talking in the aspect of existing businesses and what they're faced. But I, I imagine you talk to a lot of startup businesses, businesses that are just getting started in some aspect. It's a gifting that you have. You really help people to get launched, get going, get uh, make their business really happen. It sounds like when when you're dealing with these newer businesses and when they're getting out there and they they hit the crossroad. Right. And they 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 start having some um mistakes happen what are some things that you can say best things to avoid when you're starting off and hmm. and you run into some roadblocks uh well uh, i'm a pastor right but i still say this <laughs> cash cash is king okay? okay and you can only spend a dollar once okay. so that phrase when we were starting crosspoint i had a guy on our team and he was he was a huge uh, leader up in Enron just before Enron blew up. Okay. Oh, wow. And, okay. And, but he was such a good guy that when Enron blew up, the government hired him to shut Enron down. And he worked for like five or seven years shutting the business down. So he's a wonderful guy. But I remember one day we were standing out on the street, and we had just been talking budget. And he said, Bill, you can only spend a dollar once. And so I would just say to you, first of all, when you're starting out or you've, you've had some issues – Pay close attention to when you go to spend a dollar, mm -hmm. why are you spending it and what's the ROI and what, if you can think in terms of, I want to see X happen when I spend this dollar, that will at least let you test your assumptions as you're moving through. So money is one thing uh, in, in our, uh, in our fun portion of our training, we even have a cash flow spreadsheet that That's another good. friend of mine in ministry set us up with. And so you can always kind of look out there and say, are we going to run out of cash? Are we not going to run out of cash? <laughs> uh, so, so that would be, that would be something. Uh, the other one I would just say to you, probably three things. So money is the one in the fund thing. I'd go back to our build fund and launch on the build side of things. Uh, I would look at again, uh, who it is you're serving. Okay. Who, who, who this is, and, and in your struggles, are the struggles happening because the person you thought you were serving just isn't there anymore, mm -hmm. or, uh, they, or, or is it because they're still there but they don't really want what you're offering now? Uh, so that, that whole relationship, I would really want to understand. That's what I always ask people. I was, sure. The very first thing I ask them is, so who are you serving? Who, who are you right. trying to reach here? And then we ask the question of, is the way you're doing it the best way for them? Uh, so I would, I would look at that relationship. I would also, though, look at my team. Uh, we're very big on team. That's good. And uh, so because if, if, if you can figure out the cash runway, maybe mm -hmm. you have to borrow some dollars or, you know, you're, you're always trying to, especially if you're struggling, do I have enough runway to figure this out, okay? And when I start trying to, if I'm trying to extend my runway, financially speaking, I've also got to decide who do I keep on the plane to help us get it off the ground, Let's okay? Yes. And and <laughs> who gets to stay on the plane, right. generally speaking, right. they share my values, right. they're, they're uber flexible. I yes. mean, you know, if I say, I, I need you to go do X today, yes. and they're like, I got it. Okay, they understand we're in this mode of trying to get this baby off the ground. We're going to do right. what it takes. Uh, so, so share my values. They're uber flexible in the attitude. And then I would just also say they are bringing a skill set to the plane that I, I, you know I, I got to have. Okay, and and there have been times in my ministry and in our network or leading churches or, or the network that I've had to make some difficult decisions. COVID was one. I mean, COVID yeah. changed our whole model. All right. Yeah. Because all of a sudden we were doing in-person training all around the country and then, <laughs> whoa, you know, that doesn't work. So, uh, so it really makes you say those three things. You, you believe in our mission, our values, you know, you're here right. and what's your attitude like. Okay. Right. But then at the end of the day, 
you may have skills I just don't need right now. Right. Okay. And it's nothing against you. It's just, I don't, and this is what's happened with churches. All of a sudden they had to all of a sudden broadcast stuff, right? They had to record stuff. <laughs> right. It's like, whoa, that's a whole different skill set, you know? It's a different, so, different team we need here, different right? Team, different team. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's expound a little bit on team. You brought up team. So let's talk about that. When you're starting out, uh, what, how do you go about it? Or how do you teach uh, uh, individuals to go about building that team? What is the ingredients, the key ingredients that they need to build that success? To build a team. team? Yeah. yeah. So it starts with you. You are clear on what the cause is. Okay. okay. So they have to agree with your cause. If you don't agree with the cause and you're the leader, chances are you'll go find an, another team. Right. <laughs> Same thing with churches. When a church has different values than the senior leader, they don't last long. OK, right. so it's really important that you you understand where you where you believe Jesus wants you to go. What right. who does he want you to serve? And and that's what you're when you go to recruit. You're like, here's what I here's who I want us to serve. Do you want to do that? That's the first thing. OK, so, so they to tie into that. That they need to tie into the cause. They need to tie cause. into, yeah. because you don't really know yet, in our process at least, I'm not sure how we're going to serve them. We may, we may have a Facebook group, or we may start a store, or we may mm. do a delivery service. You know, there's a zillion ways to serve them. But are you passionate about these people like I'm passionate about these people? So that's, that's important. Okay. Uh, the second thing I would just say is chemistry is important. you got to like them, okay? Especially... <laughs> You know, I, I use the eight-hour train ride uh, rule. Would I be willing, would I enjoy an eight-hour train ride with you? <laughs> and if I wouldn't, <laughs> That's then, true. then think twice, right? So uh, so chemistry is important. And, and then I would just say, again, going back to self-awareness, uh, one of the reasons we take you through an assessment is so you understand your gift mix and what's missing, so you do you take everyone through? A, a, you said an assessment that, that it, joins your team, or you if you are, we have different ways you can get our training. Okay. So one one is you just get all the material and it's self paced. And okay. if you want to do the assessment, that's an add on. The second way you can get our training is an online cohort where your team joins, like what you and I are doing in essence. Mm -hmm. Every other week, your team is with other teams, and we take you through the material. Uh, that's all online. But on that model, the leader gets an assessment. Okay. Okay. As part of that process. Uh, you can always get assessments for everybody, which we encourage, but right. at that price point, it, some people just don't want to do that. And then the the premier one, which is our in-person 48-hour boot camp kickoff, and then your team gets a coach every month for a year. So it's a pretty intensive one. Everybody gets the assessment on that one. And that helps you look at your team and go, Man, she's really good at ops. You know, okay. I need to put her in charge of that. I don't know ops. You know, whatever helps you build a good team right out of the gate. So, you know, when you say assessment, some of us listening, we say assessment is the pass or fail type of thing, right? Oh, what's the value? <laughs> what's the value of really, really taking an assessment? Oh, this is uh, our particular assessment that we use is a behavioral assessment okay. yep. and what it means by that is we're look we we have created a, a a job profile so we know for you to start something well and lead it in a team setting there are certain behaviors you need to enjoy doing mm -hmm. because nobody's going to crack the whip on you right so, okay <laughs> you need to get going you know kind of thing nobody's going to do that you've right. got to be self-motivated in this thing right so You've got to enjoy doing them. If you don't enjoy doing them, then your success rate is going to go down. Right. So what's powerful about that kind of an assessment, it's based on enjoyment theory. And enjoyment theory means if I enjoy doing something, I'm probably pretty good at it. People tell me I'm good at it. I get better at it. And it just is a great circle. Okay. So if we can get you in the area of work that right. you enjoy doing, then it makes the whole attitude of the team uh, yeah. enhanced. And when I can get a team of those people that are in their giftedness, mm -hmm. uh, then everybody, and they're all pulling the same direction, so we're united in the cause, uh, then it just makes things multiply quicker and it's more fun. So that's, that's why the assessment is, it's a good self-awareness, it's a good alignment, it, it contributes on multiple levels. 
And it sounds like it, you know, listening to you, it sounds like, especially from a, a team standpoint, it definitely lets you know where your pieces are, uh, what everybody, like you said, they're in, uh, in line with the, with the mission, so you guys can mm-hmm. pull towards that direction of where you're going. So right. I think that's really awesome. Well, let's let's talk about this. Uh, you know, what what models work best when starting a a social, a nonprofit, or a faith based uh, organization? What 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 do you find are the best models that work best? Well, I think rather than talk about models, I would just say there are some principles, principles. Uh, okay. that you ought to apply uh, because the the model to me has so much to do with who you're trying to reach and is it is it a geography issue like for instance we we uh, help launch a huge homeless ministry outside of Phoenix and they uh, their original they were going to create a resource center they're near a train line so homeless people can get there easily right, right. and uh, for food and worship and substance stuff. Uh, showers and things like that. But they ended up deciding that rather than try to provide all that, they were going to be a key player in that effort, but lead the effort. So so I think the model, there are a multitude of models. Uh, I would just go back to you again. Uh, If it's a a for-profit or a non-profit, we we always encourage you to think in terms of donative and earned income. Okay. So especially if you're a nonprofit, you should make sure or do you have earned income stream of some kind, fee for service, yeah. rental, uh, consulting, teaching, whatever it may be. Some okay. way you're generating income beyond donors. Okay? Okay. okay. So for instance, our network, 5-2, our whole business model is roughly 50-50. We provide training, which we actually charge you for, but it's at a reduced cost because we have donors who believe in our cause, who say, you know, hey, when we see all those people, you know, involved in your ministry, we get excited. We'll give you, you know, dollars to help it so that we can keep the money, we can keep the fee down, make it accessible. So that's what you're thinking about. Uh, Those are some, that's a principle financially, uh, the other one, I've said it ad nauseum, but who are you going to serve? And be really, really, really clear on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other big thing would be, this is in the build section as well, would be on your partnerships. Okay? Okay. okay. So always think about, regardless of what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's a solopreneur kind of gig, you're still going to have to have partners of some sure. kind. Okay? And so rather than see like a, a vendor as a business can see them as a partner that and, and so that way you approach this relationship in a win-win thing yes. so like how can we help them succeed and they're going to help us succeed and you know the boat every boat rises kind of thing so i i would just say my funding model i, I would pay close attention to it whether i'm nonprofit or for-profit my customer and and who they are and how my product or my service really brings value to them, and then what are those partners that they're that I'm going to need to be successful? Man, well, I, you know, there's so much here. You know, in this conversation, we touched on a lot of different areas um, in, in our conversation, which I appreciate you taking the time and and answering these questions. But um, how can people go about? You know, that's the part now. You know, we're we're uh, obviously we can't cover it all here in this podcast and in this conversation but how can people explore more about uh what you're you're explaining the five two is that open to everyone how how does all of that work so there's there's a couple ways sharad uh one you can go to five com, and uh you know that's that's a simple way for you okay. to do that uh if you are a pastor and you're uh, you know, if you're kind of struggling how you mobilize people and how you get your people yeah. moving out in the community, you can go to 52.com slash leaders. Okay. And there's a there's a, a guide we put together on avoiding pastor does it all syndrome. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you can go download that guide and I'm that sure would help you. Got somebody that's listening. So, yeah, I, having been there, done that. Right. So <laughs> so that's one. Uh, and then if you're the person who's more of saying, you know, I'm really, uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I've got this idea. I've always wanted to do something. I just don't know what to, where to start. Right. 
then I would suggest you go to startnewtraining.com, all one word, startnewtraining.com. And that's where you can see our training that we've tried to make as accessible as possible. It's uh, 12 modules, uh, almost 50, over 50 videos, short videos, but everything from soup to nuts, build, fund, and launch. And, And that's all there. Uh, and, and, uh, again, very financially accessible, 179 bucks, you get everything. Wow. Uh, but, and, and so that's, if that's where you are, I would suggest you ought to kick the tires on that. And uh, there's also a quiz there, uh, a okay. quiz you can take to say, am I ready for this thing or not? <laughs> take the quiz. Take the quiz. Pass or fail? See, see what you, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not pass or fail. Not pass. We don't do pass or fail. <laughs> That's awesome. And so did, did you cover all the ways that we can reach you? It's uh, our, our 5.2.com, startnewtraining.com. Those would be the main ways for you to do that. Uh, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and all 5.2 Network uh, are, are, is our handle there. So That's awesome. Well, before we get out of here, what resources or just, uh, just something that you may have recently learned about that you would love to share with my community that just can help them in some shape or form. You know, uh, I'm a biggie on, so, so for me to apply Jesus to the everyday, mm-hmm. I, a, I, I'm in the word all the time. And so I would just say to you, I'm not sure how you as an individual are, are in God's word and are thinking about how it applies to life. Uh, you know, one of my favorite authors is Henry Nowen. Okay. Uh, and so uh, I have a uh, email I get from him every day, or he's deceased, but from his organization. And and his books, uh, I just am always in those books and thinking about the servant leader aspect of things. Yes. So So that would be something. But I'm also on the other side of the house. Big on uh, staying in tune with the the latest and the understanding. So you know, Harvest, Harvard Business Review is a great oh, resource yeah. for me. Yeah. Okay, and it's it's not that expensive when you look at the knowledge you get and the wisdom that's there. Uh, so again, it's kind of going back to our previous of balancing that too. Yeah. You know, uh, Harvard Business Review, Bloomberg is is kind of my news source as far as that goes. And then on the spiritual side of things, I tend to really migrate to this sacred, historical, sacramental theologians uh, of just trying to understand the mysterious work of God in the world Mm -hmm. and make the mystery no longer mysterious. Okay, Uh, (laughs) so that's kind of my mindset that I would suggest for your for your listeners. Well, I appreciate it. Listen, I have definitely, this is right up my alley, like I've told you Super. before. I, you know, I'm a guy who of faith and a guy of business. And, you know, having this conversation, I, you know, we can go for days, really, just, just you know, <laughs> me listening to the things that you're sharing, which is great. But um, to all my listeners, I hope you enjoyed this conversation today. Uh, definitely uh, follow up with the resources, the websites. Check it out. Check it out. See if there's some things. Please there. do. Thank you. Yeah, things that can be very beneficial to you, especially if you're a pastor uh, listening. I bet there is a bunch of resources there uh, that you can um, learn um, from um, my guest today. So I'll definitely take advantage of that. Um, So until the next time, this is Sherrod, and this is Behind the Grind.